0: Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or, in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHK as I know. And my guests today are Peter Hastings and Shant Ngoogsian. They are the creators and executive producers of the new series, Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight, which is out on Netflix, which follows the adventures of Poe. Yes, we're still following Poe's adventures because there's shenanigans that abound. I don't think you have to have seen the series yet in order for the episode to quite make sense, but there are a couple references to things that happen along the way, so just be aware if you are sensitive about spoilers. And without further ado, here's we're interviewing who? to talk about like Poe has been on a lot of journeys at this point right and we've seen him develop and grow as a character so what was your approach to being like how will he continue to evolve and like how do we show even more growth in this character that we've seen we've invested a lot of time in
1: yeah well that's exactly really what I would ask myself when like in the beginning of developing the series and so the you know the first idea was to pair him with somebody who is very much not like him and to create this kind of uh you know uh, buddy comedy road trip And, and then also, because I love the first movie so much, you know, one of the things about that movie is that he's kind of a nobody. He's just this loser. And then he becomes this guy who can kick a butt. And that was just a really fun journey. So it was kind of taking, knocking him down a little bit. I think, as you say, in the gaming world, he got nerfed a little bit. And then, you know, we give him this place to go and to make it a bit of an emotional journey for him. And of course, you know, he was made the dragon warrior. And subsequently became the Dragon Master in the third movie. Thank you. And the Dragon Master, you know, the sort of universe picked him, but that he was given the title. And so he loses his title. And then part of his journey is really finding out. It's like, dude, you're not your title. You're not what other people think you are. You are you. And you always had that kind of thing. Well, I don't even remember what you asked me.
0: What was your approach to, you know, like evolving emotional journeys since he has, he has many accomplishments and titles, but you're right. You're not your title.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then, and then, you know, the other thing was, is that Poe is just such a great character. It's like, I could say like, Oh, Poe opened a hot dog stand and you would be like, Oh, that sounds like fun. And it's like, you know, that's not a story. And it's like, yeah, but it's Poe. So, um, you know, they, we just kind of have that going for us. And of course, Jack Black is back doing the voice of Poe and, he brings such a great energy to it. And his comedy is chops. I mean, Poe is is Jack Black and he's just always there, loving doing it. Always wanted to do one more take, which very often was the one I used. And that's super strong part of the whole thing, of course.
0: You know, you mentioned giving sort of a balance to him, giving him a partner in crime and well, not crime, the opposite of crime, I suppose. So which of you is more like Poe and which of you is more like Wandering Blade in terms of your creative
2: collaboration? He's more like Poe, and I'm more like Wandering Blade.
1: (laughs) I know it's funny. I never thought of it, but it's totally true. I'm Uh, like, hey, let's goof off. And he's like, I think we have stuff to do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
0: What would you say was the either most logistically or emotionally challenging scene or storyline to get right?
1: I mean, I, th- I think part of it is really just pushing against a little bit of a TV animation thing where you don't necessarily go into emotional places very much, you don't go into down moments or quiet moments and, and getting people who are just used to doing everything as fast paced as you can, and as bright and as silly as you can to take the time um, to, go to, those, uh, to go to those places. And it's been one of the great things about, about streaming, about being on Netflix, and there's just a lot of freedom to you know, expand the maturity uh, kind of of what we're doing. So I think in, that's a very general answer to that question. I don't know specifically.
2: You know, and I could say lady. I could say that in episode ten or eleven, there's a real big moment where where we find out something about Blade that we didn't know before, and Poe is so hurt by this information that that she wouldn't be honest with him. And, you know, we really, we worked on that scene a little bit. It was kind of boarded a little more straight. Like Poe's just looking at her, Blade, how could you blah, blah, blah. And she was like, whoa, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we listened to the great dialogue that Jack did. And we were just like, no, this isn't right. So we had to kind of, we had to turn Poe around. Poe never doesn't face anyone, right? But you know, he's hurting if he won't even look at her. He won't even look at her when he talks to her, you know? And that is the most hurtful part to her and it actually breaks her and makes her go down on her knees like, oh my God, I disappointed the most happy person in the world. And at the end of that scene, she explains like why she did what she did. And there's Poe by the door like, all right, cool. Let's go do it. And she's like, "Well, well, are you gonna still help me? He's like, of course I'm gonna help you, right? And that to me was like the hardest moment to nail and the most important moment yeah it's, it's sort of like I'm kicking call a partial, puppy.
1: I'm calling partial spoiler alert on that one <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's
2: like <laughs> it's
0: explicitly told to us don't talk about that episode but uh yes yeah I know exactly oh. what you're referring no we, we didn't give anything away so you know, it's that. also your show yeah. <laughs>
1: like- but it's the same thing I'm saying you know the same thing I'm saying which is really like digging into these emotional moments you know that was really a lot of fun and different
0: we're gonna take a quick break and be right back and we're back actually speaking of I've just digging a little bit like <laughs> Speaking of down and quiet moments, coming from Blood of Zeus to something like Kung Fu Panda, like what's that transition like? Or is it, does it even feel like a transition?
2: The, the difference, so there's like, there's the side where it's the same, where I had to, I had to bring some Blood of Zeus to it, right? And then there's the side that's different, where I had to kind of like, not really take away, but actually add things. So Blood of Zeus is an example of a show that um, you use some of your skills, you're doing adult themes, you really take your time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, But you can't do comedy and you can't do squishy squash and stretch. And you don't really like, we would add jokes like wherever we could, where it didn't break, you know, the seriousness of the story, um, which is hard. But here it's like, I have all these skills from all these different types of shows I've worked on and I get to kind of bring them together here. And so for me, it's like, a funner challenge in a sense that I I'm using all of my muscles, not just some of my muscles. And, you know, I worked on King of the Hill at some point. And I remember they were like, no, 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 don't touch the angle. Don't do any cool action. No, 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 no. don't stage it. Like, just keep it, just let it be what it is, you know? And I had to kind of go, right, right. Take all that skill away. Just use these skills and that's okay. And the other thing is that I would say that in the beginning, our scripts were a little bigger on the show. And so there wasn't time to just look at the clouds. There wasn't time. Everyone says, I want to do the Miyazaki thing, but then like, they don't really put the time in the script. So we kind of massaged it over time to be able to allow for us to just take the time to feel emotion, to let the board artists add jokes, to let the art kind of do its thing, to let leaves kind of move through the scene. And and it really makes a difference, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, um, both of us have a lot of experience and I've worked on a a real variety of shows tonally. So it's, it's really the trick is to understand the tone of the new show because you've got all the tools, you know, it's like, you know, how to run the machine. It's really about understanding that tone. And once you get into that, you can just run with it.
0: Yeah. I I gotta say, I absolutely love like the interjected, obviously there's comedy in the main stuff, but some of the one-off things are the things that stuck with me most, like the vulture just being like, "I got all day," <laughs> like just those little idiosyncratic moments. I was like, "This is so fun." I also enjoy, you know, speaking of skills and lessons, there are lots of you know meaningful lessons peppered in along the way. One I enjoyed very much was books are meant to be read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do either of you have one that particularly resonated with you?
1: Books are meant to be read. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, the, there is sort of also the overall thing that, you know, you're not your title and mm-hmm. that and that and about you discovering yourself and having somebody with an opposing point of view who you want to push against is actually the key to helping you get, you know, to that to that place you need to go. Yeah, the, well, that whole scene that you're talking about. Uh, that that whole scene is great. Great emotion in that scene. I don't there's a lot there's probably one in every single episode. I don't know what pops to mind for me. There's a lot. Sean,
2: you look blank too. Yeah. I'm pretty blank on that one.
0: All right. That's that's fine. All of them. They're all valuable lessons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. there's
2: just so many, you know, it's like, we'd have to, we could run them down if you want, you know, there's that, <laughs> yeah. the, the worst of two evils, like yeah, the lesser yeah. of two evils. The lesser, is the big yeah, one. Yeah. And that one, you know, that one plays for a while as well. Um, there, you know, we try, we really do, you know, even friendship, you know, like, uh, there's an episode where the, they're kind of fighting and they go and they get new partners. And then um, their new partners are kind of like everything they said they wanted. Yeah, the now grass is greener. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> each other. So like there's just, there's always a theme. Like it's not just a new setting and a, a, new, a desert and a rock monster thing or a cave thing. It's, um, it's always another theme. And all of those themes, by the way, are set up to kind of work together over time as well. Should we get a lot of viewership?
0: Going back to You're Not Your Title, have either of you ever sort of achieved a title in your career or, you know, personal life or whatever it is, and, and you know, you finally got the thing and then you went, oh, this was not all it cracked up to be? Like, had you ever had that sort of revelatory moment? What do you,
1: what do you mean? <laughs> like Your entire life is like that. It's always like. <laughs> but that. Was that,
0: Did you have like a North Star? You're like, yes, someday I will be fill in the blank title. And then You know, you you get there and it's
1: like, oh, yeah, I don't think it's ever happened to me where I was like, well, this sucks, but I definitely, I mean, I, I think that's happened to me multiple, multiple times. It's like, by the time you get there, it's even the same sort of thing. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you're like 30 years old, oh my gosh, that's so ancient. And then you're 30 and you're like, not really, you know, and, you know, luckily you think that. Or that sort of thing, like, oh my gosh, what if I could make two hundred dollars a week? And then you start making two hundred dollars a week, and you're like, yeah, that's not so much, right? So it's, <laughs> I, I just feel like that that has happened to me so many times, but not in a not in a bad way, not you know never in a disappointing kind of way. Just it. In, in fact, I think it's helpful because I think it gets it keeps you moving forward, keeps you moving forward. This particular series, I'll tell you what I was really excited about that we have an actual billboard for the show out in public. <laughs> There's, I've seen one that's in Times Square. And I was like, all right. It was like a time many, many years ago, I ran into a warehouse record store to pick up a Pinky in the Brain video cassette box because my name was on the back. And I was like, my name's on the back of a VHS box. That's fun for like a day, you know, then you keep going.
0: Broader questions growing up, who were your favorite fictional characters?
1: Bum, bum, bum. Hmm. You think I can remember back that far? Is that uh, <laughs> favorite I have faith. characters? I don't know. I I kind of feel like I didn't grow up with so much of that sort of iconography that's available now these days. You know. So if I was watching cartoons. I mean, when I, you know, all the Warner Brothers cartoons were still around when I was, when- when doesn't have
0: to be a cartoon. Could be, you know, a live action character. Uh,
1: (laughs) For me, because I I pursued a career as a musician for a long time. So it was always probably like, you know, I want to be, you know, Neil Young or James Taylor. That was probably my jam when I was, you know, 12.
0: Neither of whom are fictional, but that's okay. I thought you were going to be oh, like Ziggy fictional. Stardust, <laughs> you know, which is sort of a fictional character.
1: No, Ziggy's not fictional. Uh, <laughs>
2: fictional character. Yeah. I'm going to go with Mr. T for oh, me. yeah. Oh, also not fictional either. Yeah, like semi-fictional, but also <laughs> No, 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 not- no. no. <laughs> Okay, B.A. Baracus, how about yeah, that? Yeah, there we go, there we go, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: that's the that's totally acceptable. Plus,
1: Dana's rocking her Mr. T do. So. I know, I and, uh, you were not yeah. the
0: first person to say Mr. Funny. T and I'm just like, does this trigger something for people You know what, I don't
2: think so. <laughs> okay. I don't think so. For me, I mean, it was all the badasses. Like Superman was the big mm-hmm. one. Christopher Reeve Superman, for me, was like, this is a good man who is trying his hardest. You know, that? like he's the the, for me, like the North Star of life. Of uh, of a great character, and you know, and as a kid, I really liked Batman and a few others. Uh, anything Arnold, every Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> character from every movie he ever was in, for sure. Oh yeah, my God. I think
1: I I think I gotta
2: hit this topic in therapy is what I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's like,
1: Why don't I have a fictional character driving no. my psyche? I don't know,
0: you know, perhaps you enjoyed being grounded in reality more, but yes, possibly a possibly.
1: A damn, question. Damn, damn um,
0: so last question is, you know, we talked a little bit about titles, et cetera, but how do you define personal success now? And has that definition changed from when you were younger?
1: Um, I, I don't know that it's changed. I don't think it's changed for me. I think, I think the, uh, first of all, I love making stuff that a lot of people see. It's very satisfying. And I, I know that I've been on like long, long drives and I'm in the middle of nowhere and I just pass by some town and I go like, there's people in this town who've seen stuff that I've made. It's kind of it's cool and it's kind of fun. And for me, it's always about this idea that hopefully I influenced some young kid in their sense of humor. You know, that's kind of was always my thing. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting these particularly kids, although this show I would say is for everybody, but I'm hitting kids and, and introducing them to a sense of humor, like which I was doing, you know, with doing like Animaniacs and Pinky the Brain, very, very kind of specifically, and, you know, distorting their minds in the way that my brain was, was messed up by uh, Warner Brothers cartoons or Monty Python or something like that. But ultimately what's really satisfying is that you just like what you made. You just, you're proud of it. And you're like, like this show, I watch a show and I go like, that looks great. This is fun. You know, that is really the most successful thing. And then, you know, to get paid for it on, on top and make that your living. I, I often will say to crew members, you know and they're like, people are being grumpy. And I'm like, you know what, just stop for a second and think of how many people in the world get to do what you're doing. Like you're a storyboard artist on an animated television series that's on Netflix, for example. How many people get to do that? A couple thousand? I don't know. Maybe five thousand, ten thousand out of eight, you know, billion people. You know, it's 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 pretty great. Not, so about, uh, not of eight billion people, people, Peter.
2: I also throw in the uh, also in history. How many people have done what you do? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is an art form that is new, and, you know, relative to Earth, and you know, very few people have ever done it. It's a very special thing that we do.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, an animation is cool because it's a very complete art form because it really has like every discipline, you know, because there is, there is photography, you know, you and there's cameras and, and all this kind of stuff, but there's also drawing and then music and, and sound effects and acting and everything kind of, um, you know, comes together in, in, in animation, which, which I love, but ultimately it's, liking what you do and feeling like you are representing yourself properly. That's
2: what I like. Sean,
0: is yours a ditto or?
2: (laughs) No, I think for me, like it's, uh, it has changed over time in a way because there was so like when I started out as a revisionist, I remember I was like, man, I'm going to make this panel the coolest looking panel. Right. But it's all part of a big story. And then you go, man, I want to be a storyboard artist so that I can, I can just tell the story my way use my shots and really like put my comedy and my stuff into it and you do that and then sometimes you watch the rest of the episode and you go well hmm i wish i could have dabbled in act one and act two as well as act three um so then you become a director and you're like ah now i can do my whole episode and like you know, get the designs and the blah, blah, blah. And then you look at the rest of the series and you go, well, but there's some choppy episodes. I think if I was a showrunner, I would be able to really, you know, help the music and help the sound and help the this and help the that and really like help kind of like, it's like you get your vision a little bit more sort of in totality. And then once you're a showrunner you kind of get that but then you realize that there's like money you know there's there's overseas there's all these other things so now that's where the quest changes a little bit and you start to go okay i gotta work on my skills of how to make sure that the budget is right uh throughout because you sometimes you make the mistake of being so picky you run out of budget and then you're out of budget and then everything goes to hell right so you kind of learn these little lessons and so now it's kind of changed again, where like, I just want to do a better and better job on shows so I can kind of get more money, freedom and trust to do the projects even more interestingly, because we, you know, we're, Peter and I have been doing this so long, we're at a point where we could, we could make, we could make something like truly brilliant if we just have the, bu- the budget, the time or the, the property to do it. So it's like, I, I sort of feel like I just like, I got all this energy and like, let me have it kind of thing.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you both so much. Congrats on the show.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, for Awesome questions.
0: Today? A huge thank you to Peter and Shant. Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight is out streaming now on Netflix. And if you liked this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.